So tonight we are continuing our discussion on thriving. Um, we've been talking about how God wants us to not just survive, but he wants us to thrive. So tonight we're going to continue that discussion. And if you're taking notes, I titled my sermon, Don't Run Away. So that's the title, Don't Run Away. In order to thrive, not just survive, God says to us, don't run away. Okay, so, so to get started, who has seen the new Lion King trailer? Please, yes, that deserves a woo. Like, some things don't deserve a woo, and you guys just do it for fun. That deserves a woo. Like, it's awesome. It, I watched it, and my life was changed just by the trailer, and I can't wait for the movie. But then I finished watching it, and I realized I can't even enjoy this trailer that much because I had never seen the original Lion King. I know. <laughs> I know, but it's okay, because I watched the new Lion King trailer, and it convinced me. It was like, you have to see the, the old Lion King. And so immediately, I went to Amazon when I was free that weekend. And you can't rent the old Lion King, by the way. You have to buy it. So I spent like 15 bucks on this. I know. But, but it was worth every dollar. That movie is incredible. It tore me emotionally from left to right, because there's happiness, and there's sadness, and there's funniness, and there's just normalness. And it's just incredible. <laughs> That was a weird word. <laughs> so, so anyways, so, so because I watched it, I'm going to use a clip. And so I'm going to set the scene for you. So in the clip we're about to watch, you guys have seen the movie. It's when Simba has gone into this valley and there's a stampede. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, we're not going to watch that part. Hang on. There's a stampede. So there's a stampede and Mufasa comes and he saves Simba. And then Mufasa somehow gets stuck on the edge of this cliff and evil Uncle Scar is looking down. And, and, he's, and Mufasa's like, help. And then Mufasa falls and you all know what happens. And it's really sad. And so after that, though, we see that Scar is trying to convince Simba that it's his fault, and that's where we pick up here. Simba, what have you done? The wildebeest tried to save me. It was an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen. Of course, of course you didn't. No one ever means for these things to happen. But the king is dead. And if it weren't for you, he'd still be alive. <gasps> what will your mother think? What am I gonna do? Run away, Sim. Run. Run away and never return. Kill him. So we end there because I saw this when I was watching the movie and like I wanted to cry out, no Simba, it's a trap, don't run away, the kingdom needs you, right? Yeah, that's where we are in this scene and I'm basically crying while I'm watching this, but then I realized a lot of us are deceived like Simba a lot and a lot of times in life we get in these situations that are kind of sticky and we think that the easiest answer is to just run away. You see, you see, we think that, that this will fix everything. You know what? I won't have this problem if I just run away from it. For example, what if you're walking through the, the hallways of Abilene High School or, or wherever you go to school and you see a student getting bullied and you say, you know the right thing. It's to like somehow make this stop. But you say, 
it's so much easier if I just run away and don't look at this. And that's a situation that we find ourselves in. But when we read in Romans 12, this is completely different. You see, we're not called to run away from others. We're actually called to run towards three things. We're called to run towards uncomfortable situations, different people, and eventually run towards peace. So, so if you have your Bible, hold it up so I can see it. I'm really proud of you. Lots of iPhones. That's perfect. Um, so, so flip to Romans 12, verse 14. And while you do, um, here's some background on this. We've been in Romans 12 for the past two weeks because, because the Romans is a really good letter. And, and what we see is that in Romans chapters 1 through 11, it's a Paul writing a letter to the church in Rome, and he's kind of saying, this is what we believe and why we believe it as Christians. And so he's kind of giving the theological background of this is what we believe, this is why. But then there's this switch in his letter to Rome in chapter 12 where he says, okay, we believe this, but now this is how we live because we believe this. And so that's what we've been going through the past two weeks we talked about practical ways are to be encouraging to one another and then also to put our money where our mouth is, not just talk about love, but to actually go and love. And so as we continue, we land in verse 14 today and we learn this. So let's read it. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, so we'll get all the way through it, but for now, let's focus on verse 14 and 15. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And I can't emphasize these enough. We're called to bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who, jo- who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. Way too often we see people persecuting us or, or, or we see people who are mourning, and the easy thing to do is run away because maybe I'm having a really good day, but I see you persecuting me, and I see you mourning, and I don't want that in my life, so I'm going to run away from it. Or even the opposite happens, where I'm having a pretty bad day, and I see you rejoicing over there, and you're making me feel worse, so I'm just going to run away. But you see, that's not what this says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to associate ourselves with those situations that make us uncomfortable. But for an example, I was driving down the street the other day, and I knew I was going to give this message. And, and a billboard for a church said this. It said, it said, when you are ready to accept Christ, we are here to help. And my heart ached immediately when I read that, knowing I was going to do this. Because the church isn't called, when you're ready to accept Christ, then we're there to help. The church is called to accept you right now. The church is called to help the hurting, the broken, the liars, the drunkards, the cheaters. The church is called to help everyone. That's what we're supposed to do. We aren't just here for you when you're ready to accept Christ. We are simply here for you. We're just here for you. And, and what it is is this verse is telling us we don't need to just wait for them to come to us. We as Christians need to run towards people where they are at. We need to run towards people where they are at. Regardless of how uncomfortable we may feel about them rejoicing or mourning or any other feeling they're experiencing, we're called to run towards people where they're at. In John 11, Jesus does this, and in this message, I, I want to use Jesus as a, as a really good example of the perfect way to live the Christian life, because as we know, his life was perfect, and so he's a really good example. And so in John 11, we see that Jesus had a friend whose name was Lazarus, 
You might have heard this story. And so Jesus um, hears from some people, and, and they say, Lazarus is dead. And so he shows up on the scene four days later, and there's people all around Lazarus's friends and family, are, and they're still mourning, right, and they're, and they're sad. And, and eventually what we see is Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he doesn't do that when he walks up on the scene. What Jesus does is we get the shortest verse in the Bible. It says Jesus wept. Jesus shows up. He sees all the people mourning, and he doesn't solve their problem. He loves them by being with them. He runs towards them where they're at, and he mourns with them. He says, Lazarus was your friend, your brother, your son. I'm going to mourn with you. And then, But the thing is, as we continue in Romans, we see it doesn't just end with running towards people. We actually, we actually have to do this. It says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And I, and I read this, and I, and I couldn't help but think of a friend that I have named Lisa. She lives in Guatemala. She grew up kind of like you and me probably where she usually had enough meals to eat. She usually had good clothes on her back. She, she grew up with a loving family in Guatemala. But, but the difference was this is Lisa graduated, and she was moving out. And she knew about this place called La Limonada in Guatemala. And what it is, is it's actually the most dangerous slum in all of Central America. And Lisa said, there. That's where I want to go. And the cool thing about La Limonada, it's dangerous, it's poor, but it's also actually physically situated in a valley that is lower than the rest of Guatemala City. Guatemala City. So literally, these people are lower socially because they're poor and they live in a slum, but they're also physically lower. So everyone is looking down on them. But, but Lisa read this verse, and she said, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So every day, she goes in this city, and this slum, and she goes and helps kids, and she says, I'm going to teach you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you food to eat. I'm going to give you a toothbrush. And, and they have these academies set up where they learn about Jesus. And she says, I am not too proud or conceited to mess with what the people in the lower position. And, and so what this verse is saying is that if we're going to associate with people of low position, then we actually have to be willing to associate with people that are different than us. We need to run towards people that are not like us. We're not special in any way. Look at me. Look at me. You are not special versus me. I am not special versus you. I'm not on the stage because I'm special. I'm on the stage so you can see me. We're all equal because we're all created in the image of God. And, and Jesus knows this. And so we see in another story, I told you Jesus was going to be my example, where, where there Jesus and his disciples need to go somewhere, and it means going around or through Samaria. And Jesus says, we're going to go straight through Samaria. And the problem with that is that Jesus and his disciples are Jews. Samaria has Samaritans, and Samaritans and Jews don't associate with each other. And so as they go straight through, they get tired, and Jesus stops at a well. And as, he's, as they're sitting at the well, a woman from Samaria comes up. And remember, they're not supposed to associate, but Jesus starts a conversation with them. And he doesn't do this just because he does this because he says we're all equal. I'm willing to run towards people that are not like me, and that's what we're supposed to do. And lastly, when Jesus does this, when he runs towards everyone he encounters, whether, whatever their situation or if they're not like him, we see that in the end, Jesus always brings peace. He always brings peace. In verse 17, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So what should we do? 
we should run towards peace. Now, now I hate conflict. I can't stand it. So, so this might come more easy to me, but I would do anything to avoid conflict. And yet the other day, I broke this kind of moral code in my life where I avoid conflict by playing basketball. Um, you see, what happened is I was playing basketball with my friends. And if you look at me, I know I'm on a stage, but I'm only five feet, seven inches. And I'm not like a specimen for basketball. And what was worse is my team lost the ball. And it goes to my friend, who no lie is like 6'10 or something crazy, and 200 pounds, biggest guy ever. He gets the ball, and I'll set the picture for you. Right here is my friend. Right here is me. And right there is the basket. And so my friend's like looking at me in the eyes, and I know this face. It's like, I'm going to dunk on you. And in the moment, I had to make a choice. And, and so I look back at him with my eyes, and it's like, Oh, no, you're not. You're not dunking on me. And you're like, what are you going to do? And so, so it's like this movie scene where he's running at me, and he jumps really cool because he's tall and athletic and good at basketball, and I jump like a crazy man like, like this. And, and what happens is eventually my arm goes right into his face. His teeth go into his lip, and he falls on the ground. He doesn't dunk on me, by the way. But, but he starts bleeding, and he's on the ground. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, dude. Are you okay? He goes, no, I'm not okay. You punched me in the face <laughs> and that's when I realized I, like, I have a conflict this is a problem and so and so I just walked away feeling bad and then later that night I texted him and I go dude I'm really really sorry I didn't mean to hit you in the face and his text said it's okay Zach that's not the first elbow to the mouth I've taken why did he do this why did he say, it's okay, Zach? I punched the man in the face. If I punched you in the face, I don't even really expect forgiveness that quick. Like, but he does this, and I think that this happened because of this, because there's a common denominator between us. Both of us have Jesus Christ in our life. And why is that important? It's important because Isaiah 9, 6 says this. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and get this, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus in your life, Jesus being in your life, will help you run towards peace more than I can from this stage, more than your leaders can in your life group, or more than Braden can in like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, even though he's great. Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit will lead you towards peace more than anyone else can. Jesus can do this. So as, as we're going through life on earth, we need to act like Romans 12 is telling us. We cannot run away from real life as Christian. That's not the answer. We don't run away. Because if we run away, we can't just go to God someday and say, God, I'm a good and faithful service. I did nothing wrong. But I also, but I also did nothing bad just because I ran away from everything. I just ignored my life. That's not how it works. Instead, we need to run towards people that aren't like us. We need to run towards uncomfortable situation, and, and eventually we need to run towards peace. So I want to leave you all with some questions. So, so listen here. I want to know, do you put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable? Are you mourning with people? Are you rejoicing with people? Are you blessing your persecutors? Are you putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations? And once you think about that, who are you hanging out with that isn't like you? Do you hang out with friends who are of different races? Do you hang out with people who are different religion than you? Do you hang out with the people that don't play the same sports as you or participate in the same activities as you at your school? Do you interact with people who have less money than you? Do you hang out with homeless people ever? 
Are you putting yourself around people that aren't like you? Because I'd argue that it says it right here. And after, after this, think about, are you lacking peace in your life anywhere? I'd argue this might be one of the most important ones of these, three, these questions. Because, because, you see, peace is what, what Jesus is, the Prince of Peace. He, he makes life peaceful, and life that's peaceful is a life that's easier in my mind. But, but maybe you need to ask someone for forgiveness. You see, you see, unforgiveness is the greatest thief of peace. So, so ask for forgiveness. Now, when I ask you this question, do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do you have peace in your life? This isn't something that you can just hold back and wait. I, I encourage you do that tonight. Do it now because, because unforgiveness will take away your peace so quickly. And, and, and if you don't have the Prince of Peace, Jesus, in your life, or, or if maybe you had him at one point and he's kind of left in the background now, I encourage you to start thinking about it again. Think about is the Prince of Peace in your life? And if he's not, ask some questions. Ask the hard questions. I'm not telling you. I'm not forcing anything. I'm just saying, ask the questions. There are so many students and leaders in this room who want to talk about how Jesus has brought peace into their life, how that works. How does that work where Jesus is the Prince of Peace? And so whichever of these questions, questions hits you hardest, I want you to act on it. We're going to go to life groups in a little bit. And, and you can talk about your dog like you talk about every week. Or you can answer these questions. Let's talk about these questions. Are you running towards uncomfortable situations, running towards people that aren't like you? And are you running towards peace? And whatever you hear out of that, my last encouragement is don't run away. Just don't run away. So let's pray.